I promise, um, I really want to hear Dwight preach. I really do. Except I don't want him to steal what Josh and Chelsea are going to speak in two weeks. So next time you're here, please let us know in advance and we will make spades available for you because you're an amazing speaker and I want you to hear more of the incredible stories that are happening in Mozambique. But I encourage you to talk to him afterwards about any of the things that he has mentioned, which we'll bring up again in two weeks when Josh and Chelsea are sharing here. So one more time, let's give a hand to this incredible man of God. Amen. Well, if I forget to invite you back tonight, Servant Leaders Night, it's going to be awesome. Uh, one of the things we did in the first service, just so you know, we shot a video uh, of, of uh, congratulations to Rochester, our site church. Uh, this is their 10th year anniversary this weekend. And so we're going to send that to them next week. But tonight, Candace doesn't know. We're just going to celebrate her tonight and uh, Clayton. 10 years they have served. This is our mega church in the Fellowship of Christian Assemblies, the largest church in the entire fellowship. And I say that because they influence over 5% of their community every week, closer to 7. 7% of their community every single week. Their church is only 50 people. But it's in a community of 700. And they have 25 youth that come out on Friday nights. That's a mega church. Amen? So we're going to celebrate them tonight. Amen? So they're awesome. Again, what are we talking about in our series? Living in the gospel of the kingdom of God. The gospel. What is the gospel? If I ask you what the gospel is, many people would say it's the forgiveness of sins. And I would say, yes, that's correct, but it's so much more. The gospel, according to Jesus Christ, is the kingdom of God being available to mankind. Jesus put it this way, the time has come, the kingdom of God has come near, repent and believe the good news. Church, you need to understand the central proclamation of the New Testament, the central demonstration of the New Testament is the kingdom of God. And the kingdom of God is awesome. The kingdom of God is God's invitation to mankind to come in, he invites them in, and then he says, I want to partner with you in life, and that your life might reflect the fact that you are living with God. God is in you, living his life with you together in partnership, and we can accomplish incredible things because that is true. This is the gospel. This is the invitation of God. Romans 14, 17, with Pastor Matty quoted this morning, that for the kingdom of God is not a matter of eating and drinking, but of righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. And so think about that. The word righteousness means right standing with God. But the word is also translated in the Bible as justice, which means my relationship with fellow mankind. So not only does the kingdom of God make me right with God, but it makes me right with you and I which is pretty exciting, isn't it? How many know we need a little bit of righteousness, a little bit of justice in our world today? Amen? And then it goes on and says, righteousness, peace. And this word is ironeia, which basically means to set at one again. How many of you know we need to be set at one with God? That that relationship has been disturbed, it's been broken, and we need to be set at one with ourselves? Why do we need counseling? All of us need counseling. All of us are broken. All of us say, hallelujah, sign me up. 
here's what I can pay. I'm coming in. I'm going to get some help because I need to grow and mature in my life. And we're set at one with each other. This is the message of the kingdom. Righteousness, peace, and joy. (laughs) How many need some joy in our world today? Man, do we need joy. And joy is not based on happenings. That's happiness. Happiness is based on happenings. Joy means I can have the life of God despite what's happening around me. Amen? Okay, okay, okay. That means that in the midst of COVID, you can have joy. Woo! Which is good news. You should be okay to be around in the midst of whatever you're going through in your life. Why? Because the kingdom of God is in you. And then he says these things, he ends it with this last line, of course, which is joy and peace in the Holy Spirit, which means that you can't live this life on your own. It's only through partnership with the Spirit of God, which we're going to talk about a little bit more today. Church, listen to me. The world, the Bible says this in Romans chapter 8, you look it up, I'm not going to give you the verse, you find it yourself. Romans chapter 8 tells you that the world is longing. The sons and daughters of the world are longing for the sons and daughters of the kingdom of God to be revealed. They're longing for righteousness. They're longing for justice. They're longing for peace and for joy. So that makes you people in this room some of the most important human beings on planet Earth. That's the truth. Because you have the message of reconciliation to share with the world. You have the seed of the kingdom of God living in you. And Jesus talked about this kingdom. He said it's such a valuable kingdom that if you find it, it's like finding a pearl of great price and you'll sell everything to possess it. He says it's powerful beyond your understanding. It starts as a little tiny seed, the smallest seed in the garden kingdom. And and it's like a little mustard seed. But when you plant it, it grows and it becomes this mighty tree. And it says the birds of the air nest in that tree. The birds of the air is talking about the nations of the world finding shelter and nesting within your life. Because why? You allowed the kingdom of God to grow in you and be multiplied within you. Jesus said the kingdom of God shall be within you. Amen? He places his Holy Spirit in your life and in my life, this this seed of empowerment for your life to be transformed in order that Christ's nature, Christ's kingdom, the nature of God, the nature of of all that he has for the world is being demonstrated for you. Next week, I'm talking about the Beatitudes and the bookend of the Beatitudes are, guess what? Blessed are you. Here's the kingdom, it's yours. If you're poor, if you're hungry, if you're, if you're, you know, if you're grieving, if, if you're broken, you can come into the kingdom. This is the message that God is offering to our world church. The place where God's rulership is allowed to manifest. Now how many of you know, it's a kingdom that has come because it came in Christ's coming to the earth It's a kingdom that has come through his church over the last 2,000 years. And it's a kingdom that is still to come because the fullness of Christ's rulership is still to come into this world. Amen? So you're part of a kingdom that has come, is come, and is coming, and we're sure looking forward to the day that the fullness of that kingdom comes. When Christ shall reign and rule in this life. We love it. What are the implications of this good news? 
Well, it's not only an invitation, but an interaction with God and with His Spirit that God longs to manifest the kingdom of God through your life. That's very pragmatic, by the way. (laughs) That's very practical. He wants to manifest the kingdom of God in your workplace. How you treat your boss, how you treat your employees, how you treat your fellow workers, how you treat your customers. That's the kingdom of God manifesting. Or not. You decide whether you're going to let him rule and reign in that area of your life. How many of you know the building of this church is a manifestation of the kingdom of God? Guys, this church is a miracle. Every day I walk into this building, I just say, God, you're amazing. God, we cut a building into four pieces. We dragged it across 18 farmers' fields. We put it back together, and voila, this is what happened. You're so good, God. How many of you know God needed to be in partnership with some people in order for this to happen? Amen? I mean, it's pretty exciting. It's, it's probably more exciting than we really let on. It's pretty amazing. How many of you know all the ministries that this church happens on a Sunday on a Monday, on a Tuesday, on a Wednesday, all the ministries that this church does is a manifestation of the kingdom of God. People are working right now with your kids and kids ministry are manifesting the kingdom of God. They're being patient. They're being kind. They're training them. They're teaching them. They're telling them about God's love. It's a manifestation of the kingdom of God. How many of you know all the ministries that happen outside of this church from your lives? Things like I think about fusion, and I think about higher grounds. I think about the Jessica Martell house. By the way, Fusion is opening up a thrift store February 1st. Where's Jocelyn? Jocelyn, wave at everybody. Stand up and say, February 1st. Oh, you got a baby. You're okay. You just don't have to stand up. You'll stand up with a baby. She's holding a baby and a spiritual baby. She has a spiritual baby and a baby. Amen? They're starting a thrift store. How many of you know that that is the kingdom of God manifesting through Jocelyn and the people that are serving along with her? Amen? Guys, I mean, we're, Pastor Maddie and I, when we were in Mozambique, man, did we see the kingdom of God. It was the last thing I shared with the people, your workers, just how exciting I was, the manifestation of the kingdom of God. You know, I, I'm not going to steal any of Dwight's thunder because one day he's coming back He's going to preach, and he's really going to have fun. But these guys moved to Mozambique when it was a war-torn, destroyed country. And I I know that you guys, I think you even lived under a tarp in the middle of of the desert for a while, middle of Mozambique for a bit. Is that true? In the bush. In the bush, under a tarp. That's where they lived. They brought their kids with them. I mean... How many of you know we're not going to the same places in heaven he's going? Like, I mean, he's just going to, we're going to visit him one day and it's going to be like, hey, remember me? I, can I hold your shoes? Can I hold it? No, this guy's amazing. They are, but you know what was incredible? To watch what has happened. To watch what was happened from that moment to when we visited last year, two years ago, Maddie and I, and to see the feeding programs. Guys, they grow their own food. They have school kids, hundreds of school kids, that they get fed one meal a day from that feeding program. They're growing their own food and the feeding programs that you're helping with. And then they have sponsor homes for orphans 
And for, for widows, it sounds very Bible, you know, orphans and widows and strangers. And they tr- train and teach women how to, how to grow. And, and part of, at Higher Grounds, we sell merchandise that supports the ministry of Mozambique. And we're doing that because women are being trained and given equipped to, to do. Guys, this, there's medical stuff they do. There's training. Hundreds, thousands of pastors have been trained. When we were there, they were flying all over, dropping seed off because of the destruction of, I think, a hurricane had gone through. And they had to re- seed their fields. We were carrying tons of seed. I think Maddie and I helped. I don't know how many tons that was. It was crazy, guys. They were flying and driving seed all over these pastors that came for the conference were carrying back seed. How many? This is the kingdom of God. God is doing incredible things in Mozambique. I encourage you to talk to, talk to this team and get involved. If you don't maybe get stirred this week, you're going to get stirred in a couple weeks when Josh and Chelsea share about the incredible work that's happening in Mozambique. Well, this is what you get to be part of, because how many of you know we need the kingdom of God in Mournville? We need the kingdom of God in Sturgeon County. We need the kingdom of God in your neighborhoods. This is the call of God. Well, how do we enter and live in the kingdom? How do we enter and live in the kingdom? That's the chapter of our book this week, The Good and Beautiful Life, is talking about how we enter and live in the kingdom of God. Because I don't know about you, but I want that kingdom. I want the righteousness, peace, and joy of the Holy Spirit manifesting in and through my life. So how do I do that? Well, it tells us, actually, gives us some thoughts. Here's the first one. Your righteousness must just exceed that of the religious elites. Your righteousness must exceed that of the religious elites. Now, that is scary but don't leave. Please do not get up to go home yet, because I have to explain this. Jesus said it this way, for I tell you that unless your righteousness surpasses that of the Pharisees and the teachers of the law, you will certainly not enter into the kingdom of heaven. And that word enter is an interesting word. I looked it up. It means to come in and to be set in, to grow in, to live in. So it's not just talking about entering the kingdom, it's talking about maintaining that entrance and living that life within the kingdom of God. Does that make sense? So this is the first step. He's saying if you want to enter to live in the kingdom of God, your righteousness has to exceed that of the Pharisees and the teachers of the law. Sorry, Michael, Betty, can you get me a tissue? I'm getting so excited, I'm, I'm crying and I'm leaking, I'm leaking. That's okay. One shall do. Thank you. Thank you for giving your life in the service of ministry. <laughs> okay, so, so these Pharisees, these guys, they were the religious elite. The word Pharisee means separated ones. And not only these guys were like, you know, so they thought they were so holy. They walked around like they were the separated ones. They wore these special garments. Everybody knew who they were. When you saw them coming, you would either turn and run the other way, or you'd think if they were in your church, you'd think these are the holiest people in the world. They had flowing robes and prayer tassels, and, and, and they fasted twice a week, and they did all kinds of things, and everybody, oh, they're so good. Jesus comes on the scene, and guess what? He's not impressed by them. In fact, Jesus never read the book, How to Win Favor and Impress People and Win Friends. He never read that book because he actually wrote his own book, Matthew 23. Listen to what he says to these guys who think they're all that. They think they're the bomb. They're the religious elites. We're the picture of what God is like. Jesus basically pointed them out and said, I'm nothing like that. Neither is my father. So listen, he just, you know, kindly said words like this. 
Woe to you teachers of the law and you Pharisees, you hypocrites! You shut the door of the kingdom of heaven in people's faces and you yourselves do not enter in and you won't let anybody else go in. Now that wouldn't be so bad, maybe that's harsh. But then he does seven of them, (laughs) different things, like crazy. He says, woe to you, you Pharisees, you hypocrites. You travel over land and sea to win a single convert and when you succeed, you make him twice as much a son of hell as yourselves. Jesus, that's offending me. It's offending me, Lord Jesus. (laughs) You give a tenth of your spices, mint and dill and cumin. You have neglected the more important matters of the law, justice, mercy, and faithfulness. You should have practiced the latter without neglecting the former. You blind guides, you strain out a gnat and you swallow a camel. This is a sermon. And the last one of the woes, I'm just going to highlight this woe. It's one of the seven, but I thought it was apropos for us today. He says, woe to you teachers of the law, you Pharisees, you hypocrites. You clean the outside of the cup of the dish, but inside you're full of greed and self-indulgent. Blind Pharisee, first clean the inside of the cup of the dish, and the outside will be cleaned also. So when Jesus says, To enter into the kingdom of God, your righteousness must exceed that of the religious elite. What he's telling you is, religion doesn't work. (laughs) He's saying, cleaning the outside of the cup, making yourself look holy, is not the same as having you transform from the inside out, which is what he's calling you to do. This is where we're entering into this, in this, this book of our series that we're in on discipleship, the good and beautiful life. How do I begin to see transformation from the inside out? Because that's the kingdom. It's not enough for Greg Fraser to look holy. God wants to make him holy. And holy is not a scary word. It just means whole. <laughs> God wants to make me whole which is a good thing for me. You see, the Pharisees kept their outer life clean, guys, what people could see, but the inner life was filthy. This is what Jesus is calling us to. He's saying you want to enter the kingdom. It's not about compliance outwardly, but it's about an inward transformation. And I will partner with you to see that change happen in your life. See, guys, I want you to grasp something. God loves you and accepts you right where you're at. How many of that's good? How many of you have got a letter grade on some of the areas of your life? They wouldn't, it wouldn't be a good letter. You know, some of us are F minuses. How many of that's not a good grade? It doesn't mean fine, fantastic, F. No, it means fail. God accepts you as an F minus. And he says, now we're going to work on you this year. I'm going to make you a D. You're still a failure. (laughs) But how many of God is so excited? He's so excited. He's like, look at my kid. He was an F minus. Now he's a D. Woo! How many, you've never seen that on a bumper sticker. My kid was an F minus and now he's a D. Like, you know, woo! <laughs> Yet yeah, that's God. 
He's got a picture of you in, your, in his wallet, and he opens up in heaven, and he shows the angels, and they're like, he's still a loser, Lord. No, he's not. He's my son. He's my daughter. She's my daughter, not he's my daughter. <laughs> That's a whole other sermon. Okay, here we go. <laughs> God accepts us and loves us right where we're at, but he's going to change us, you guys. But how many of you know we think, we think, I got issues. I need to work on them before I come to God. Uh, good luck. You were warned about this even in the book of Isaiah. Isaiah back in chapter 30 says, in repentance and rest is your salvation. In quietness and trust is your strength, but you would have none of it. And then it goes on, you said we're going to ride on swift horses, we're going to overcome our pursuers, we're going to work really hard, we're going to ride, and then he says, oh, your pursuers are going to be swifter. You're going to fail miserably. And then it says, until you're left like a flagstaff on a mountaintop, blowing in the wind, cold, frozen, alone, and then you're finally going to wake up and realize you can't do this on your own. And then he says, I long to be gracious and compassionate to you. Church, this is the answer. A partnership with God. The kingdom of God says, start with that little seed of the kingdom within you, and it's going to grow, and it's going to grow, and it's going to grow. You see, you can't change the government of Canada. You can vote to change the government of Canada. You can pray to change the government of Canada. But you know what you can change? How much of your heart you give to the Lord. That's the only thing you have control of. Amen? Yes, Pastor. Amen. Amen. Thank you. I'm all alone up here. It feels like a flagstaff on a mountaintop, Lord. <laughs> it's blowing in the wind. You know, the early church fathers, they, they taught a thing called the prayer of examine, which is Psalm 139. Search me and know me, O God, and see if there be any wicked way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. They taught their disciples every day to pray that prayer, Psalm 139, end of the verses. And uh, the reason for it was they would reflect on their day and the God would show them where the kingdom manifested in their heart that, that day. You know, when you were kind to that waitress, that was the kingdom. When you said that compliment to that little child, that was the kingdom. And then God would show them where the kingdom didn't manifest. Maybe, maybe it wasn't appropriate for you to get a bowl of cereal because your wife burnt the chicken and you thought you'd teach her. And so you said, I'm not eating this, I'm eating cereal. That was not the kingdom of God. How many of you know, I didn't do that by the way, just so you know, <laughs> I love my wife's cooking. Even the burnt offerings. Thank you, Lord. <laughs> Amen. No, you don't get this size when your wife's a bad cook. Okay, come on now. Let's be honest. Are you guys following what's happening? That you're walking with God in the midst of the kingdom. And you're looking at your life. And when you find something where you're not living in the kingdom, you know, he doesn't ask you to fix it. He just asks you to say, God, forgive me. And help me to live with you tomorrow so that I don't live this way. Isn't that a beautiful way to spend the end of your day, to kind of reflect on your day and then set the day the next day going, Lord, help me to live in the kingdom tomorrow. Help me to walk with you, to journey with you. Help me to walk in the way that is the kingdom of God. So how do we live in the kingdom of God? Number one, your righteousness must exceed that of the religious elites. Number two, you must be childlike. 
Guess what? There's another verse. Truly, I tell anyone who will not receive the kingdom of God is like a little child. They will never enter it. Same word, enter. Enter and live in. Enter and abide in. He's saying you've got to be a childlike person if you're going to live in the kingdom of God. What is a childlike person? Well, they're curious and spontaneous. You ever figure, I mean, I'm just picking off some things that are childlike. Kids love to ask questions. Has anybody ever figured this out? How many of you have had the most embarrassing questions asked by your kids in front of other people? They're awesome. I love these questions. Um, here's a couple of them that I just pulled off the internet. Here we go. Um, Dad, what was it like on your last day of being a kid? Like he wants his dad to tell him about, I remember when I was a kid and this was my last day of being a kid before I became an adult. No, that didn't work. Not too good. Uh, here's the good one. Why can't I see my eyes? I said, that's a question that is philosophical and you could spend the rest of your life thinking about that question. I love this boy. He's very honest. Why did swear words get invented if we're not allowed to say them? <laughs> Another good one. I love this honesty of a kid. Uh, Dad, why are you buying beer? Do you know how much candy we could get with that money? <laughs> this is the worst and the best of all of them. This, uh, this lady posted her child, said, my child ate soil today and asked me why she couldn't keep eating it all the time as it was very tasty. And then she told me it was a lot like my cooking. <laughs> That's a good one. Kids are imaginative and creative, aren't they? Amen? How many know God wants you to be creative? In this time of COVID, you can be creative. You can do incredible things with your family. You can have a great time together. I love watching kids at Christmas. They get a beautiful toy in a big box, and they never touch the toy. They play with the box. Just go to the Chesterfield store and ask them for six boxes and build a maze for your kids. It'll be the greatest Christmas they ever have. Just try it one year. See if that goes over well with your kids, depending on how old they are. Mm, yeah, you have to be a certain age. Joyful and content, kids are. You know, is there anything more pure than the laugh of a child? I don't know if you were up early enough, but any, did any of you catch the sunrise this morning? It's definitely not Jesus. <laughs> Pastor Matty. It's, it's not you? Oh, sorry, buddy. Thanks for checking. And the other person who's in this is like, thank God he blamed Maddie. It's, it's all good. It's all good. <laughs> yeah, that's funny. Where was I at? I don't know. I was having fun. Yeah, the sunrise. The sunrise was amazing this morning. You need to look at that and just be thankful for that all the time. You know, your kids are generally joyful and content until you take them to Stuff Mart. When you take them to Stuff Mart, suddenly they're not content anymore. Anybody figure that out? So don't take your kids to Stuff Mart. That's the answer. Or your husbands. Don't take your husbands there either. It's not good. I love this one. Uh, kids are accepting of others and have a sense of innocence. I debated whether I was going to tell this story, but I, I have to. Uh, my wife and I were talking about this, and we have good laughs. My son Mitchell makes me laugh sometimes. So when he was a kid, probably about eight um, we were in a car together with two, a pair of twins, Josh and Jordan Lane, and they were about 10. And uh, we were, I always play games with them, like sleeping soldier sleep or try and make them laugh or different things because that's how you get through a six-hour car trip. And then, but 
Jordan wasn't having any of it. He wasn't in a good mood. He wasn't happy. And so Josh was like, Jordan, you just, you're in such a crabby mood, man. You're not, you, need to, you need to just get better. And then Mitchell, he's just not even paying attention. He just says, somebody didn't have their Viagra this morning. <laughs> now, remember, remember, the, remember the commercial for Viagra, which was like, be happy. And so for Mitch, as an eight-year-old, he's like, you need to take some Viagra, dude. <laughs> so... Then my wife and I realized we educated our children way too much with the television. The television was kind of the, the parent for a while there, and somehow he was really soaking it in. And uh, my niece, uh, <laughs> Rachel, she was in the Christian school, and she was in grade one. And so she comes home at night, and her parents ask her, what did you learn today, honey? She's eating her soup, and she says, the F word. And they're like, what? And she's, the F word. Fox, F-O-X, the F word. That's what we learned at church today. So how many know kids are innocent? Amen? And doesn't it bring you joy to think about those things? Aren't they fun and funny? But here's the biggest thing about kids that you need to understand that God is speaking to us about in this idea. They're trusting and carefree. Kids generally do not need to be in control. And how many of you know in our world today, we need to understand we're not in control? Has anybody figured that out yet? I always love, okay, I got to be careful here. People often will say to me, Pastor, you need to speak about this. And I'll say, mm, I'm not in control of the US Congress or government. So that's not going to be helpful. I just know my limits. <laughs> I'm just thankful when I can balance my checkbook. That's where I'm in control. Do you ever think that we sometimes step out of our controlling places, out of our fear? How many know fear can cause you to shrink back or cause you to rise up in control? And sometimes we're thinking we can control things that we actually have no input or control over. Do you think God is trying to get people's attention right now? It doesn't even matter. I mean, forget, this is a, think of a guest pastor saying what I'm about to say. It doesn't even matter how the government manages COVID. As much as it is, as much as it matters, as much as it matters on what's happening in your heart. Because that's the only thing you have control over. Okay, I'm back. That was the guest speaker speaking, blame Dwight. It came to me when I saw him. <laughs> Whew! <laughs> okay, now I'm, I'm saying you should speak to your government and you should have responsible. You can do things, certain things. Are you following what I'm saying? You can write letters, but you can't control things. Oh my goodness, help, Jesus. How do we enter and live in the kingdom of God? Here you go. Your righteousness must exceed that of the religious elites. You must be childlike. You must be born of the water and of the spirit. Which just means you got to be a human being. You're born of water and you got to be born of the spirit, which of course means to be born again. Jesus put it this way. Jesus answered very truly. I tell you, no one can enter the same word, the kingdom of God, unless they are born of water and born of the spirit. How do I grow in? How do I mature in? I have to start by being born 
of the Spirit. No, don't leave, guys. It gets better. No, they're, they're on our worship band. They're on our They're just getting ready. You got to be born of the water and born of Spirit. You, if you knew what I didn't say up here, you'd be really impressed with me. That's all I'm going to tell you. You got to be born. Now, this isn't just talking about being born again, church. Being born again is just the starting point. What it's talking about is living in an ongoing living relationship with the Trinitarian God who is both Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And he's saying you need to grow in your relationship with the Holy Spirit if you want to live in the kingdom of God. You know, you can do nothing, we heard today. You can do nothing apart from God. But you can do all things through Christ who strengthens you. Amen? Amen? Greg Fraser can live in the midst of the most difficult times in the world and thrive because the kingdom of God is within him. You see, God is the spirit of truth. Jesus said it this way, I have more to say to you than you can bear right now, John 16. But he, the spirit of truth, he will guide you into all truth. He will only speak what he hears, and he will lead you into all the things that I'm telling him. Guys, I'm going to tell you, God speaks to you about truth. And I'm going to tell you one of the great truths that God talks to you about, and you need to hear what I'm about to say. God talks to you about you. God talks to you about your issues. The biggest thing that you need to understand, this is revelatory. God is for you in your battle against yourself. That'll change your life. If you understand that God is actually in partnership with you, who's an F minus, to become a D, how many of you know that'll change your life? Suddenly the pressure is off. I'm just walking with God every day and he's changing a little bit and a little bit and a little bit and a little bit. Betty, don't give up on me. He's not done yet, honey bear. He's not done. I know I keep telling you that, but you're good. The truth of our significance and acceptance is talked to us about God. The truth of being secure in his love. The Holy Spirit's constantly speaking to us. The truth of where we're going one day, no matter how hard things get in this world. The Holy Spirit speaking to you. He's the spirit of truth. He's the spirit of adoption. How many know this is a good one? Listen to this, Romans 8, 14. The resurrection life you receive from God is not a timid, grave-tending life. It's adventurously expecting, greeting God with a childlike, what's next, Papa? God's spirit touches our spirit, confirms who we really are. We know who he is, and we know who we are, fathers and children. We know what we're going to get, what's coming to us, an unbelievable inheritance. The Spirit of God is your partner, church. The Spirit of God is the Spirit of adoption. He's the Spirit of truth. He's the Spirit of intercession. And, and, and you can read about that in John chapter 14. Jesus basically said, I'm going to send to you another, another counselor, another advocate, one who stands beside you strong to defend you. And the word is parakletos, which means that's exactly what it means. One who stands beside you strong to defend you. And God is defending you all the time. He's teaching you. He's training you. He's the comforter. He's constantly surrounding you, church. He's speaking to you. It's kind of like having a partner. It's like having a worker partner. You know that guy that says that all the time he says to you, we can do it. We can do this. 
We can climb that mountain. We can build that church. We can, we can see the kingdom of God manifesting in Mozambique. We can, we can do this together, you guys. He's like this training partner that is constantly in your life speaking life to you, speaking hope to you. And thank God he's the spirit of intercession. He's the spirit of power. May God fill you with hope, the peace and the trust that you have in him overflow with hope and the power of the Holy Spirit. Ephesians 3.16, I pray that out of his glorious riches, he may strengthen you with power through the Holy Spirit in your inner being. Hallelujah. Church, you're invited to have a partnership with the Spirit of living God. This is what you need as we go forward in this series, and we go through the Beatitudes and the Sermon on the Mount, we're going to talk about overcoming things like uh, anger, fear, worry, all kinds of things. Now, if you go at that and say, well, I'm going to change that. I'm not going to worry anymore. How many of you know you're going to have the worst worrying day you've ever had in your life? I had a book in my library called I Prayed for Patience and Other Horror Stories. That was the name of the book. <laughs> and then God burnt my library down, so I haven't had to read that book. So <laughs> praise the Lord. There's different ways that God deals with things in your life. Amen? <laughs> Let me conclude, and the band's going to come back. Jesus' primary message was the availability, presence, and power of the kingdom of God, which is the central teaching of the New Testament. The power of the church and of the individual believers rests in the kingdom of God. The good news is that you are invited into this relationship with God. Amen? Church, the world is longing for you and I to live as members of the kingdom of God. This is the greatest hour of the church. Wow, what a time to be alive. What a time. When everything in the world is shaking, we live in an unshakable kingdom. Let's model it and demonstrate it in Jesus' name. Let's pray. Maybe you're here today and you're saying, I just, I really, I want to grow in my relationship with the Holy Spirit today. I want to understand that he wants to be my partner, that there's a seed of the life of God in me. Today is the day of partnership, church. You cannot live this life on your own, but you can do all things through Christ who strengthens you. Why don't we just extend our hands and say, Lord, I, I want to grow in my relationship with the Holy Spirit the spirit of counsel, the spirit of wisdom, the spirit of power, the spirit of anointing, the spirit of grace, the spirit of adoption, the goodness of God. Holy Spirit, you see us all opening our hands to receive a greater measure of the spirit of the living God. How desperate we are for you, Lord. Forgive us where we thought we could live this life on our own. We can't. We never could. And I say, thank you, Father. Give us more, greater revelation of the spirit of life. Thank you, Lord.
Maybe you're here and you're saying, Pastor Greg, I'm not being very childlike. I've been very angry at what's going on. I've been very fearful. I've been very controlling. Maybe you, have, maybe you didn't see the sunset this morning that God wanted you to see. And God wanted you to shout and say, well done, Father. What a great sunrise. Way to go, God. I think we all need to open our hearts up a little bit and say, I need to be more childlike. Isn't that, is that fair? Lord, help us. I open my hands and you can do the same if you want to join me. I want to be more childlike, Father, because I want to live in the kingdom. I want to be trusting and I want to be living in innocence and I want to be joy-filled and I want to treat people all with love and mercy. Let me be childlike today, Lord Jesus. Hallelujah. And maybe you're saying, Pastor Greg, I've been trying to change myself, but it's not working. I need the Holy Spirit's help and I need to not try to fix the outside of the cup, but let Christ change the inside. Amen? For all of us. Lastly, if you're here and you're saying, I've never asked Jesus into my heart. I've never been born again. I've never started the journey with the king of the kingdom. This is what it means to give your life to Jesus. Simply to open up your life. You have control of the key of your heart. It's a door that's locked from the inside. Will you open your life? That's the advice of God. That's the advice of one who many, many years ago, opened my heart to Jesus. My life has not been the same since. If you're here today and you're saying, Pastor Greg, I, I need to give my heart to Jesus. If you're watching online, today is the day of salvation, the Bible says. Not tomorrow, not when you give up smoking, not when you try to change things on your own, but today is the day of salvation. If that's you in this auditorium, I want you to give me a wave. If that's you online, yes, I see your hand in the front here. Thank you. If there are others that would join her saying, yes, Jesus, I want to come into your kingdom. Yes. Thank you, Lord, for these that have raised their hands. Thank you for those online. There's a button for you to press that says, I made a first-time commitment. Let us know. We're going to follow up. We'll call you. We just want to love on you and help you in your journey of faith. All of us that raised our hands at any time or raised it today, let's pray a prayer together with this one. Father God, thank you. Pray with me out loud. Father God, thank you for sending your son Jesus to die for me. Now help me to live with him and for him. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's give these people a hand clap today, church. We're going to close by singing a song. We're going to be back here tonight at 6 o'clock talking about fit for life. And we're talking about running the race with God. It's going to be a great night tonight. Come back if you can at 6 o'clock. But let's stand and let's sing this song together. Why don't you lead us, Nick?